Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Mike Rosenberg from Columbia Credit Union. Mike says they trust what they see and hear on OPB, and that aligns with Columbia Credit Union's brand. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. Over the last year, residents and business owners in downtown Portland have been reeling from fentanyl overdoses, boarded up buildings, and a battered national image. In response, over the summer, Oregon Governor Tina Kotek convened the Portland Central City Task Force. It included elected officials, business owners, healthcare representatives, community leaders, and some social service providers. Their assignment was to revitalize the economic future of Portland's central city. Yesterday, after a few months of closed-door meetings, the task force released their recommendations. They include everything from stepped-up enforcement and shelter services to neighborhood cleanups to a moratorium on new taxes. Nolan Leinhart joins us to talk about this. He was the chair of the task force's Value Proposition Committee. He's also a principal and director of planning and urban design at ZGF Architects. Thanks very much for coming in. Thanks, Dave. Good to be here. Why did you want to be on this task force? Well, I, as we were just talking about, I was raised in Portland, Oregon, and I am very proud of the thriving downtown that we have a reputation for. Um, as I moved out into the world, uh, I learned that that was not just a locally um, treasured reputation, but one that was really internationally significant. I should say, when you, when you said, as we were talking about right before we started um, talking, I asked where you're from, you said Portland, and you noted that, say, in 2006, when you were in planning school, you would say, I'm from Portland, they'd say, well, you know, why are you here? You, you've, you've mastered it there. I mean, what, what changed? Well, I, I think a lot of things change. First of all, cities are organic. Um, you know, I think it was it was a fallacy if anyone believed that we just, you know, it's in the water and, you know, everything we do is great and works all the time. And so um, I think it's natural for any city to go through its cycles. And I think in our case, um, it would, you know, there are a number of factors. Um, and one of the things I actually appreciated about the work that we did in the Value Proposition Committee, uh, we actually informally termed it the Optimism Committee because we really focus on the future. So we didn't spend a whole bunch of time thinking about, you know, who, who screwed up, how did we get here, um, and we spent more time thinking about where do we want to go, and um, where we want to go is not back to 2006 or 2016 or, or anywhere in the past, but it's about um, creating a, a future city that we want to live in and be proud of. I, I appreciate the, the forward look, but in order to have prescriptions for how to fix the, the ills that everybody recognizes if in, in different ways, it does seem like some kind of understanding of, of what happened in the last couple of years is necessary. I mean, one of the stats that folks might have seen that really stands out is from a study by the University of Toronto showing that Portland's downtown is 61st out of 66 downtowns across the country in terms of its bounce back to pre-pandemic levels. Only five cities have done worse in terms of, of clawing back. How do you explain that? I mean, because yeah. every city had to deal with COVID. Yeah. So um, uh, that is a study that uh, the first draft of it, I don't know if there's been a second draft yet, but the first draft, uh, after people dug into it, they realized it was only covering the 97204, I think, zip code. Right. And this this, one, this I was should the say, updated this version. Updated it's still one. not good. It's, it, it, what happened, if I understand correctly, so basically this is a, a, a broader geographic swath that sure. includes more yeah. of Portland. And if I understand correctly, that bumped up 
are the the percentage increase from the COVID lows, but I don't think it changed dramatically where we are with respect to other cities. Yeah. Well, like I said, I, I do think that there are probably six or seven factors. Um, I think certainly the social conditions on the street, um, some of the issues around drugs, I think that they have uh, been extreme here uh, and in other places they haven't. And I think there's people who have probably talked on your show a lot about the Ninth Circuit decision um, that makes it challenging to police uh, the sidewalks uh, in, in the Northwest. So um, again, a lot of different reasons. Um, I, I don't know that there's one that I would pin it on, um, but certainly we've, we've contributed some of, them, some of them ourselves and some of them are a reflection of natural, national issues. Let's turn to some of the recommendations uh, that were released yesterday. Can you give us a sense for what the debate within the task force, among the task force members was like with respect to measure 110, which decriminalized the, yeah. the user level possession of drugs? Yeah. So, um, again, the Value Proposition Committee was really focused on what are the things we do to make people want to be downtown in Portland. Um, it was focused on um, what are the things that attract someone to want to be here. And so what I'll say is that uh, our committee dealt with fewer of those things in, and the other committees dealt with them in more detail. There was a committee on livability. There was a committee on community safety. There was a community on housing and homelessness. And then there was a community on taxation. Uh, at the task force level, I would say um, one of the things you'll notice in that 10 is that there aren't value proposition um, recommendations that floated to the top 10. Actually, maybe this is a, a planning phrase that I'm just not familiar with, but what is a what, what do you mean when you say a value proposition? Sure, yeah. It sounds um, sort of like sales. Yeah, it, yeah. <laughs> um, I do think an economist came up with it, and, and that may be why we quickly pivoted to the optimism committee. Um, but really what it <laughs> means is, why would you want to be here when you could be anywhere else? And that could mean, um, why would, you know, what I said yesterday was, why would you want to open a business here if you could open it in Vancouver, Washington? Why would you want to live in the South Waterfront when you could live anywhere else in the region? Um, why would a, a tourist family from the Bay Area want to spend a three-day weekend here when they can spend it in Seattle? Um, you know, it's really the value proposition is what is our unique draw? Okay. So I, I, I take your point in, in, in your first answer to my question, which was that y your particular committee of the broader task force didn't focus on Measure 110 and drug use. Um, but th it was the first recommendation put out by the task force overall. Uh, as, as I'm – and I should say that the, the – one of the big things the task force says is you want lawmakers to criminalize the public use of drugs, um, but you did not call for basically the repeal of Measure 110, of, of recriminalizing the possession of drugs. That's something that, that a prominent coalition of, of state leaders is pushing for, and immediately they put out a press release yesterday saying you didn't go far enough as a task force. You should have done this. Uh, how did the task force – sort of thread this needle and say, we want to criminalize the public use of drugs, but we don't want to recriminalize possession. So I think the task force was focused on what are the outcomes we want to see, uh, recognizing that there's this much bigger debate and some members of the task force are participating in a much more specific way in parts of that. Uh, I think there were, it's it's not a stretch to say there are people with very divergent views on that bigger question. On the task force? On Oh yeah, on the task force. And then I think there were some challenging conversations that happened in those other committees. Um, but I think that 
uh, even within the value proposition committee, toward the end, as we started getting you know all these big ideas coming out about you know how to support arts and culture, which is so important, um, how to get our food culture you know uh, thriving as well as it can be, all these great things about Portland. Um, many people were careful to say, "Hey, listen, um, if we don't get the community safety, the homelessness issues, the the real human struggling that's happened on our streets fixed. Um, everything great that we do in these other areas is not going to move the needle. I, I actually I misspoke earlier when I said that the Measure 110 was the, the first recommendation on the list on the website. It's The first one is actually to declare a, a tri-government fentanyl emergency, meaning the city of Portland, Multnomah County, and the state of Oregon. What is that declaration of emergency yeah. going to mean and accomplish? So, again, um, it was the detailed work of other committees, but my understanding is that what that does is it allows the mayor, the chair, and the governor to use resources in a more flexible, accessible way um, because it is a state of emergency. What is the task force recommending when it comes to the literal cleanup of the city, things like trash and graffiti? Well, um, Vanessa Sturgeon made a presentation yesterday, and I think there's a num a, a, quite a lot of resources. I think Tim Boyle made a big announcement about uh, a gift that he's making. Um, part of the conversation was, what are all the different parties that can participate in this? And I know there's been a lot of focus on uh, ODOT and ODOT right away and what resources they have. I think they've been, uh, you know, exceeded the amount that they had to spend on cleanup of ODOT right away. And so uh, finding more resources for them to do that in the future, whether those be public resources or private resources, was a high priority. What do you see as the connection between your committee's focus? How do you get people to start a business here, to, to visit here, to live here? The connection between that and trash on the street or, yeah. say, graffiti on the side of a building, as opposed to public art uh, that people want to see. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, one of the examples that we talked about a lot was the performing arts, right? People come from all over the region to come see, you know, the opera uh, or the ballet. Uh, they may be, you know, buying dinner beforehand. They may be staying at a hotel. Um, if they're having an experience where they're stepping over trash on the streets, they feel like, you know, they're in a city that may not feel safe. Um, it may make them less likely to come back next time. Um, they may just have a bad experience and then tell their friends wherever they came from uh, that they had a bad experience. And so it's a real negative reinforcing cycle and, and something like cleaning up streets, um, you know, I think... Uh, Tim Boyle said, and, and I remember my dad growing up saying, wow, Portland's one of the cleanest cities in North America. And I think that does make a difference in terms of how people experience a city, um, even if they do come for good things and are experiencing good things. If you're just tuning in, we're talking right now with Nolan Leinhart. He was on the Portland Central City Task Force. It was convened by Governor Tina Kotek over the summer. Yesterday, they released their recommendations for essentially economic revitalization of the central city. And I should say, because sometimes it's been called a kind of a, a downtown committee. We talk about downtown a lot. The actual lines that the committee, that the task force was focused on, they're broader. Um, they go from lower Albina, meaning north or northeast Portland, uh, inner north or northeast Portland, down to the south waterfront, which you mentioned, and then west from Goose Hollow all the way to the central east side. So a broader vision of the central city uh, than folks may sometimes think about. Why was that important to, to draw the lines the way you did? 
Well, I think partly it's because it's a boundary that already exists in our city planning and our city code. Uh, and I think we could have all argued about where that boundary was if we hadn't selected that existing boundary. So it's a, it feels like a lazy answer, but I think there is a reason that it is our, a central city boundary in code, and that's because it's the walkable fabric of, of the center, right? And it's supported by robust public transportation. Uh, there's a lot of infrastructure investment that's happened. Uh, broadly, the other way to look at that is that it's sort of the, the loop within the 405, um, with a little bit of exception for Central East Side, a little bit of Lloyd, and a little bit of South Waterfront poke out of that. But that's basically the, the sort of mental map of what the, constitutes the center of Portland. Um. I know that your committee was not focused on homelessness, but it's an inescapable piece of this puzzle for for every Portlander, housed and unhoused. The task force is asking for more shelter beds and more daytime services for unsheltered people, including things like bathrooms and hygiene services. Is it fair to say that this is a, a kind of shift in the county's focus on permanent housing? I... I can't speak to that. I, re- I wish I could, um, but it, I don't have enough detail. And you know, part of what I think the most valuable thing for me about this was is a lot of us getting a little bit more information and understanding of all the parts and pieces that fit into this. Uh, but I also <laughs> came to learn that there are people with so much better expertise that um, I wouldn't try to paraphrase uh, their their side of it. What's the idea behind the call for a three-year moratorium on new taxes? Well, I think that's the recognition that we've had a lot of change in the tax base uh, over the last uh, five to seven years, um, and that as a result, uh, we stand out. Uh, we stand out as one of the high-tax locations. Um, Second highest in terms of local taxes after New York City. Exactly. So as we think about how we're going to build back the central city, I think there was a real appreciation that we should not be continuing to add barriers to to that growth and that recovery. Is Are the members of the tax for, task force essentially saying that the Portland area voters over the last couple of years in approving new taxes to pay for preschool for all, for supportive housing and affordable housing, uh, for Portland's climate fund, these are at, you know, at the county or the city or or metro, diff- different levels actually, but but voters have said yes and yes and yes. Is a task force saying that those votes were a mistake? No, and actually, uh, I appreciate that question because there was a real important clarification um, that somebody asked. Well, geez, are we rolling back some of these? Are we uh, preventing uh, those from being renewed? And the answer was no. You know, and again, this comes back to where's the consensus, right? There may have been some people on the task force who felt that we should, you know, start um, rolling some back um, and others who felt that we should grow. And I think where we ended up was to say, for right now, let's take a pause. Let's not add to the tax burden um, while we work on this recovery. So I just, I want to make sure I understand this. I mean, but is the task force saying that current taxes are partly to blame for the situation we are in right now? I mean, for example, you were talking about Um, why would a business owner uh, set up in Portland as opposed to Vancouver, Washington? I mean, is is the call for a moratorium on new taxes a kind of tacit acknowledgement that taxes are partly to blame? 
taxes are certainly part of the reason that individuals decide to live in one place or another, a business decides to live in one place or another. So when when the value proposition that you're offering is maybe struggling in some other areas, um, it's important to understand that that is one of the factors. And for some uh, individuals and businesses, it's a major factor. And I think we've seen uh, a number of businesses decide to locate in Lake Oswego or decide to locate in other uh, Portland metro suburbs um, as a result of, of the tax burden. So um, are we going to um, build a great city based on low taxes? No, that's not going to be our value proposition. Um, but we certainly can um, uh, weight ourselves down if we uh, aren't careful. I've heard that some of the recommendations some of the recommendations were only shared with all of the members of the task force this past Friday. How did the overall task force come up with the final recommendations? Uh, so I think our last meeting uh, was a few weeks ago, and there was a sense of talking about priorities. Obviously, those priorities had to be synthesized. Um, our chairs did a lot of work. It was great that one of our chairs was the governor, uh, and ultimately the governor is is the person who has to take this and, and represent it um, as the chair uh, as she goes into the legislative session. So I think that was important that you know she had the, the last stamp on that. Um, so I, I wasn't part of that final um, detail working out. Uh, I know there are a lot of negotiations behind the scenes, but I think we all went into this um, realizing, you know, we're, we're not a legislative committee. Um, we're not going to um, vote uh, and negotiate on amendments and things like that. Uh, rather, um, we're a task force. We're giving the governor advice and, and helping to express what a you know, group of 50 Portland leaders um, would like the state, the county and the city to be focused on. Well, let me let me put it this way. How different do you think the final recommendations were, the ones that were released yesterday, from what the governor and just a few top business leaders would have come up with on their own without the input of everybody else? You know, uh, unfortunately, we don't have a chance to run that second experiment, so <laughs> I, I couldn't tell you. Do you have a – but I mean I, – I take your point. You can't know for sure. Yeah. But I, I guess I'm asking you more subjectively, if you feel like the various members of the task force, in, in particular those who, who didn't come from the biggest businesses in the state, yeah. if their voices and opinions were truly considered and found their way into the final recommendations... Uh, I, I feel like they were. Uh, and again, uh, speaking to the uh, work that my committee did, uh, it didn't end up in the top 10, but I think it ended up in the broader document uh, in ways that are very, very reflective of every participant, um, whether they come from a large business, a small nonprofit. Um, it was a robust discussion. Um, we learned a lot from one another, and I think the, the document reflects that. Um before we go, I'm just curious what you see as the vision for going back to sort of Portland in, in 2006 or in 1999, one of the the weird things about Portland's development in the last couple of years has been sort of two tracks, an, an, a major increase in visible homelessness, a, a, an increase simply in the number of people who are unsheltered, and a sense that um, that for people who aren't rich, people who are artists and, and were once attracted to a kind of affordable, livable city that, that Portland was, a kind of beacon for weirdness mm -hmm. uh, and for independence, that that has also gone away. So that there's both more rich Portlanders and more very poor Portlanders who, who are barely getting by. How do you help people in the middle? 
Mm. Well, uh, you know, I think you sort of referenced our our funky, artsy culture um, that we were defined by and um, maybe overly defined by, as, as the governor um, mentioned yesterday. And there's been some conversations recently about, you know, could the abundance of office space, particularly in, in historic buildings downtown, could those become artist lofts and or artist storefronts even in a way that we haven't been able to, you know, there was a real crisis uh, right before COVID about not enough artist spaces where they used to be in places like the Pearl or the Central East Side getting priced out by you know tech companies and other kind of business growth. So I, th- I think there is an opportunity for us to use this moment where maybe you know there's a little bit less demand for us to reinvigorate some of those places. And I think that could be true for housing as well. So um, I, absolutely, I think the observation is correct that um, it's been a really tough time for folks in the middle um, in Portland and um, that one of the recommendations of our value proposition committee was actually that as we build back, um, let's build a city that is inclusive of those who may not have felt uh, is included in the last version of Portland's success story. Nolan Leinhart, thanks very much. Yeah, thank you, Dave. Nolan Leinhart is, uh, was a chair of the Value Proposition Committee on the Portland Central City Task Force. He is principal and director of planning and urban design at ZGF Architects.